This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Well, well, well. Hello, Canada. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada, as we have been doing here for the FedEx Cup playoffs. We're live on both TSN 2 and TSN 1050. No Mark, no Bob. Adam Scully here in studio. Kristen Murphy here alongside. Murph, what is up this morning? Oh, not much, not much. You know, it's hard to believe we're at this stage of the PGA Tour circuit already. Oh. I mean, it's just... All that's left is the finale, but it's it's been fantastic so far, so I'm feeling good. And it's a busy time because not only this week is the Tour Championship, it's also the CPKC Women's Open at Shaughnessy. That's why Bob isn't with us, because Bob is on a plane as we speak. I believe his flight was at 8 a.m., so Bob is not going to be around here okay. for the next couple hours. Mark is, though. Mark's going to join me on the phone in about half uh, hour, an hour and a half or so. That's Fast math right there. Oh, that was impressive uh, 11 on the fly. <laughs> yeah, 11.30 a.m. He's set to land uh, shortly, so he'll join us for a full recap. He was covering the BMW Championship for uh, PGA Tour uh, Radio. Uh, also, Michael Harrison going to be by here for the betting analysis of the BMW Championship and a look ahead of the Tour Championship. Jason Sobel, the same thing from Action Network, as well. Kevin Blue from Golf Canada, Chief Sport Officer talking all about the CPKC and what a year it's been for golf in Canada. But before we get to all that, let's start things off with some news and some headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. So there was a big, big time performance on Sunday. And as you have been doing for the last very long time, you've been doing the highlight packs for SportsCenter where you are writing them, you are watching all the golf, deep depth analysis, and Victor Hovland. Would you say he came out of nowhere to do what he did? Or how would you, how would you describe, when, when, you're, when you're getting ready yesterday morning, you yes. sent me a text saying this is going to be a great finish I today. Did, I, said, yeah. I said, you're right, I can't wait. But I don't, where was Victor Hovland in that equation, if at all? Uh, he was not in that equation, but that's not because of the caliber of golfer that he is. It's just because when you have a Scotty Scheffler, a Rory McIlroy, even, you know, major champion and Matt Fitzpatrick, all towards the leaderboard, you're focusing on those guys first and foremost. Plus, because Hovland wasn't in the last group, obviously the broadcast tends to focus more on that final group because yeah. you sort of expect the winner to come from that twosome. However, the broadcast certainly started tracking Hovland as he was heating up and he was hitting some of the most precision, immaculate approach shots I've seen in a long time. And you definitely got the sense watching that something special was happening. Well, it's funny you mentioned that word immaculate because I was on the desk last night with a good friend of the show, Mark Rowe, and he was reading your highlights mm-hmm. and you used the term immaculate. <laughs> I believe it was on, was it 17 or 18? Maybe it was 18. Um, I think it was 18. Yes. And I, I've never used that term wow. to describe someone's approach shot. So I think that spoke yeah. to exactly what Hovland was doing. But I mean, it's not surprising because he has the game to do something like this. Yeah. But to do it in this moment, and what he did on the back nine, just taking a look at some of the numbers, six of seven fairways, nine for nine in greens, six birdie looks inside nine feet, eight threes, 11 putts, and for a total of 28 shots, that is spectacular. Yeah. 
And I just love the shots of him in the clubhouse after because all, all he can do is wait and watch. You have Scotty Scheffler behind you. He's capable of so much. Totally. So it wasn't over. Um, but Hovland just seems to be the nicest guy. He's just in there smiling. And just, he's just a cool cat. And I think he's um, he's a big name to root for. And I wouldn't be shocked if he won a couple majors in his career. Yeah, he's uh, he seems to be very, very happy-go-lucky. It was mm-hmm. pretty funny, too, on, on a lighter side after he had finished. And he's sitting there, and there's clearly a camera on him, mm-hmm. which I would safely presume he knew was there. I, I don't I think know. So. But when when Scheffler hit, or was Scheffler and then Fitzpatrick, they both could have hooped it for Eagle to tie mm-hmm. it and go into a playoff. And unless he was watching on like a 15-second delay, he was just sort of sitting there like... No reaction. Like there was nothing. You just won no. a boatload of money. I know. And uh, But for Victor Hovland, I mean, like you said, like this is... Something that's been coming, you know, he's, yeah. he's had good performances at the major championships. You think back to last year at the open championship when he was in that final group with Rory at St. Andrews, you think of, he had a good performance at the masters this year. He's played well at the players championship, other majors too. that group with Brooks Kepka right. in the PGA championship. But a big story with him as well is the short game, right? Because exactly. yeah, you know, because like his, his chipping, where he flat out said four years ago, my chipping sucks. Yes, and, and that was where he is. very much the weak part of his game. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be sorted out. Yeah. Now that that's sorted out, we know he's an elite ball striker. Yeah. And he's an aggressive player. And I think he spoke about it afterwards, talking about when to be aggressive and when not to be mm-hmm. in certain situations. And if you can get that sorted, I mean, he is going to be a major force on the tour, especially in major championships, because his game just seems so suited and he's only 25 years old. I just think he's got a lot of runway to do some pretty special things. It's crazy. Yeah, he's only 25 years old. And he's mm. been around. So he was, you know, in that uh, class of college guys, Colin Morikawa, Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland, who that Colin Morikawa made his PGA Tour debut at the 2019 RBC Canadian Open. So it's already been this long and the time's really flying. But for Victor Hovland, you know, I, I'm curious, A, for majors, but B, too, there's a big event happening and. Oh, is there? About six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that's where, you know, he played in Whistling Straits. He was one of the bright spots for that European side. Mm-hmm. You wonder how he can harness that experience, harness playing with Rory, too, I was gonna say, yesterday, and how he can sort of take this and, and apply it moving forward. I know. I know. And that team's looking scary. Hovland and Rory, and I just cannot wait for Rome. It's going to be spectacular. But there's still a lot of things to sort out before we get there yeah. in terms of what these teams are going to look like, I, especially on the American side. Uh, especially on the American side. That's a one hell of a segue by you there. Let me, let's me uh, let's pr- bring that up here because that's really the big news where we're going to bring this up throughout the show today is that the U.S. Ryder Cup side. Right. Because the top six, the automatic six, are now official. Yes. We've got Scotty Scheffler. We've got Wyndham Clark. We've got Patrick Cantlay, Brian Harmon, Max Homa, Xander Shoffley. So the big story really on Sunday was heading into this past week, Brooks Kepka was in that right. final slot. Now Xander Shoffley had a good week at the BMW Championship. Mm-hmm. Brooks Kepka now no longer an automatic qualifier. So obviously Brooks Kepka plays on live. Brooks Kepka won a major championship. Brooks Kepka came second at another major championship. If you're Zach Johnson, what are you doing with Brooks Kepka? I'm picking him. Mm-hmm. He is one of the best players, one of the fiercest competitors, especially in big moments when you yeah. look at his major championship prowess. 
absolutely I'm picking him. I know so many people, especially on Twitter, you know, the the people that are really, really anti-live golf. I'm so happy to see Brooks get knocked out, but it's, I don't know, like, don't you just want the best guys on the team? Yeah. Regardless of where they play. I mean, you can feel the way you want to feel, but for me, I just want to see the highest competition uh-huh. out there. And that involves Brooks Kepka every time. And it, it seems at least publicly that, you know, if if this was, if he's, he's still very well liked. You know, he still practices a lot with JT. Right, who he's we're still going good to friends to. with PGA yeah. guys. It's like there's such a misnomer that there's, you know, the bad blood and right. they're neighbors and they play practice rounds yeah. all the time, socialize. And- now, if this was someone else on Live, you know, right. guys who maybe guys don't see eye to eye with as much, a la a Phil Mickelson, a la Patrick Reed, a la Bryson, Bryson DeChambeau, yeah. Yeah. maybe even Taylor Gooch. If you put those guys in sure. here, sure. maybe that would be a different story because. Yeah. This is a team after all. Exactly. Right. And you want it, you have to focus on, obviously there's the play on the course, but then there's also the locker room dynamic, which yeah. we don't get week to week on the PGA tour. I guess they get it on live, but mm-hmm. you know, small sure. sample size with what that kind of looks like and means, yeah. but in a Ryder cup format, it does matter who you're paired with. Uh-huh. Um, you spend so much time with your teammates mm-hmm. and I think how well you gel can make a difference. Right. Um, and so maybe having a Patrick Reed in there or something that can kind of, Mm-hmm. spoil the vibes if you so will. you mentioned chemistry there and locker room vibes right justin thomas has played in a number of these Ryder cups yes. and he's played very well with jordan spieth and you know we know i don't know if you know this but they're actually very good friends <laughs> yes i'm aware I, yeah i don't Despite think the frenemies yeah, label yeah yeah from course. every broadcast ever these guys <laughs> are good buddies they've yeah. played a lot of golf together mm-hmm. uh given the a, the season JT had, given the finish, however, the close call, yeah, the Wyndham Championship, yeah. where are you at with Justin Thomas on the Ryder Cup team? Okay, so I know I keep going back and forth it's on tough. this. It's tough. I was JT, and then after Glover's most recent win, I was Glover. I am back to JT, and here's why. Yeah. In Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, and Max Homa, those are three rookies that have never played in a Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. And there is something to be said about experience, and so I think... To throw Lucas Glover in there as well, I think, I think there's a lot of rookie representation, and I'm I've swung the other way now that I think JT's experience would be beneficial to the team, and I just I really do see him getting it together in a Ryder Cup format totally. with everything on the line, and you're playing not just for yourself, but you're playing for your teammates, and you're you know you're strategizing differently. It's it's not just you're so focused on your own game, and I think that would be helpful to him in sort of pulling him out of the rut that he's in. I have to say, like, watching the BMW this week, it, it was still so jarring that he wasn't in the field. Totally. And uh, totally. I want to see him playing golf sooner yeah. than later. And, yeah, I, I'm curious, too, because I, I mentioned this yesterday. Or it's not yesterday. Last week on our show, how the Ryder Cup used to be earlier in the calendar where, for example, when Rory McIlroy won the 2016 FedEx Cup, he beat Ryan Moore in a playoff. Ryan Moore's picked as a captain's pick Sunday night. The Ryder Cup was the next Friday. So you, you're really riding a hot hand here. Yes. Where the Lucas Glover argument is obviously, you know, he came, he still had a good week last week. He didn't Absolutely. win in his quest for no. the three-peat. But it's not like the Ryder Cup is tomorrow. The Ryder Cup's September 30th. So we got some right. time here to, to play with. Uh, and it's a good point, too, about the rookies because they haven't. the U.S. hasn't won on European soil since 19. 19- 1993. It's going to be a hostile environment in in Love Rome. That. It, Love that. Isn't it going to be great? Just yeah, it is. 
you think Rome, you think about what's everything going on. I remember the 2018 Ryder Cup in France where the build-out on the first tee was the equivalent in terms of attendance to an OHL arena Amazing. on the first tee. Amazing. Just imagine what would be coursing through your veins as oh. you're trying to hit an iron out there. So. Oh, I know. I would buckle. I would absolutely buckle. But, but that's what makes the event so great. It really is. And for Justin Thomas, you know, sure, he didn't have a, a great season, but I really think it's going to be that argument, you know, Ian Poulter for all those years for, for Europe or wasn't the greatest player no. on the PGA Tour, but he showed up and was a new guy in the Ryder Absolutely. Cup. Absolutely. So are you taking JT, then? I am all in on You've JT. been pretty consistent with your view. Yes. Okay. I have been pretty consistent. Now, Bob and Mark both are not on the JT train, if right. you will, in terms of the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Yeah. At least they haven't been. I'm not yeah. sure if they're... And opinions. I've just been flip-flopping, so there's that's, a little bit of everything. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. I mean, that's what it's all about. Uh, we'll get Mark's take on that a little later in the show as well. We'll hear Bob's perspective uh, on television tomorrow evening. On the other side, we're going to continue debriefing the BMW Championship, including the putter of Scotty <laughs> Scheffler. What a bizarre year it's been. Wh- which putter will Scotty Scheffler use this week at the Tour Championship? Rory McIlroy. How about the Canadians? All that and more when we come back right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio alongside Kristen Murphy. And we're on TSN 1050. You can also watch us from now until noon on TSN 2 as we recap the BMW Championship. And Murph, as you do when you're watching the golf on a Sunday or a Saturday or Friday or Thursday for that matter, <laughs> uh, there's, you know, there's other things that go on other than the winner holding right. a trophy come Sunday evening. And yes. a big storyline yesterday was the bubble boys of guys trying to move their way inside the top 30 of the FedEx Cup standings to advance to the Tour Championship. Mm-hmm. And I was certainly confused as a viewer watching it. When you right. were watching everything go down the way it did, what was what was your opinion? Yeah, it was kind of like that all week too because it'd be like, okay, with a birdie, so-and-so will move to this in the standings and with a bogey this, but it's fluctuating with every shot, with every golfer that's out there. It's all intertwined. And so it was almost like there was too much updating because it was such a fluid situation. Yesterday, Jordan Spieth and Terrell Hatton, they were kind of the focus of being on the cusp and on the bubble. Hatton obviously is one of the most entertaining electric players to watch as it is. But with him being on the bubble, he was on the 18th hole. He he hit the lip of the bunker and just, oh man, he... Tomahawk. That was a pretty good club toss. It was an elite club toss. And we've seen that from him before. No surprise there, but he was fuming. Um, And I think part of that was because he thought, okay, I'm going to bogey the hole. And that probably bumps me out of the top Mm -hmm. 30, which it didn't, in fact. Um, So as a viewer, you're like, I don't think it's actually going to bump him. But he didn't know that. And then afterwards, we saw the video that the PGA Tour released of the poor gentleman trying to update Hatton on his status and Hatton just wanted nothing to do with it. And I also 
thought, like, why don't they just wait till it's kind of all said and done and you just know where you stand? Because as Hatton mentioned, he's like, well, Denny McCarthy's still out there and, you know, so-and-so is still out there. So it's, like, yeah, this could happen, but it's just all speculation. So I was confused. He was confused. It, it was just, I think they were trying to up the drama maybe of the playoffs, kind of the tournament within the tournament, um, which I, I do get. But yeah, it was it was a little bit of an odd one. Yeah, and even the video to uh, Jordan Spieth, who also bogeyed that 72nd yeah, hole. Right. And there's a video that the PJ Tour tweeted out where it was Spieth. I think it was the same gentleman that officially was, was talking about. Guy. Yeah, and Michael Greller. And Spieth sort of yells over, hey, Michael, what's it, like a 50-50 chance? And he's like, well, maybe, not really sure. But anyway, uh, Tyrrell Hatton did make it to the Yeah, and as did Jordan Spieth. As did Jordan Spieth. And it actually really highlighted how different their personalities are. Yeah. Um, if we can take something away from seeing that kind of behind-the-scenes-ish footage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Spieth is just way more kind of exuberant and interested. And Hatton just kind of seemed to want his space a little bit. Maybe a little bit um, hot under the collar after the way he uh-huh. finished his round. And both players, uh, high on the strokes gain entertainment category <laughs> yes. for very different Two reasons. Two the best. Two of the best. Cyril Hatton and, uh, and Jordan Spieth. So they both advance to the Tour Championship, as do a couple Canadians, right. Nick Taylor and Corey Connors. So Connors will begin at two under par, Nick Taylor at one under par. This is We've had this staggered starting leaderboard at the Tour Championship for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's tricky because as a player, you're used to, obviously, you all start off on the same level every week on tour. And so for the finale, when you put the peg in the ground, you're nine shots back already. I I don't know. I feel like that's a difficult thing to grapple with. And then, but at the same time, you're jockeying for position all season long to earn those strokes. Mm -hmm. So I understand what they're trying to do. And I'm not exactly sure what kind of a format would be better Um, but it's an awkward one and I just hate the idea of a guy like starting 10 shots back. Yeah. So you're, you're trying to move up, but I don't think you really feel like you have a chance to win. Not because you can't shoot a super low round or have a great week, but the idea that you're going to leapfrog 10 guys in front of you when you've got Rom, Rory, Scheffler in front, Mm. it's just extremely unlikely. Well, the thing, so, and I, I totally agree with all those points. I think it's kind of like, is this like the, the B-Flight Club Championship where there's like <laughs> the, the gross and the net sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. But when you think back to last year, you know, Jordan or uh, Rory McIlroy triple bogeys his first hole. He's seven shots off the lead right then and there, and then he right. goes on and wins the whole thing. So it, it is possible, <laughs> but you think back to that 2018 Tour Championship when one Tiger Woods won, and he almost, that was when there were yeah. still... The FedEx Cup yes. is the Tour Championship. Justin Rose? Yes, it was. Yeah, and such an awkward. Yeah, Justin Rose weird. lags a 40-footer and fist pumps <laughs> yeah. when he comes up two feet short. Yeah. And then he looks in the fairway, and there's just a monsoon of human beings <laughs> walking around as they're trying to get through Tiger yeah. and get closer to Tiger. But I think that's sort of where it stems, because that, that was awkward. It was awkward. It was weird. It was. And then you've got like two guys standing side by side, and it's Tiger. I mean, yeah. obviously... Not as many people caring about what Justin Rose just did. Right. And then you've got this conflicting, I don't know, so totally. odd. So yeah. Odd. You wonder, you know, Mark has mentioned this before, if there's some way to get match play involved. It'd be amazing. You know, if you get, like, the 30 guys make it, and then there's a stroke play event for two days, maybe, mm-hmm. and then you turn that into match play. It, it Like a, some variety Something yeah. a bit different. And especially now that the WGC Dell Technologies match play oh, is no I longer. Oh, I know. And that was a great event. It was it was different. It's you know, you wouldn't want to see that every week on tour, but it's mm. it's fun and it's kind of chaotic, especially those first few days. Yeah. It, 
talk about confusing. Talk that can about... get a little confusing with who's going to move on from each group. Yeah. That was, yeah. Especially anyway. with the round robin, that, that's Confusion Avenue <laughs> yeah. right there. That, that's for sure. Okay, so two Canadians make it to mm-hmm. the Tour Championship. Connors and Taylor both have obviously won this right. season. Nick Taylor at the RBC Canadian Open, Corey Connors, Valero, Texas Open. What are your expectations for these Canadians as we head to this week? Yeah, I mean, just to build on what I said before, I think it's it's such a big ask for one of those to totally. act, one of those guys to actually win, just given where they're starting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think obviously there's an opportunity to move up on the leaderboard, and there is significant cash on the line this week. Yeah. And even if you don't win, I mean, it's I think last place takes home five hundred thousand dollars. So okay. you know, if you move up a couple spots, that's pretty lucrative. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's just the fact that we have two Canadians. In the tour championship in the first place is an accomplishment on its own. And it's just kind of the cherry on top if Corey Connors and Nick Taylor play well. Mm-hmm. And it just really caps off a season for the Canadian golfers on the PGA Tour that's been spectacular with four of them winning. I know it really has been spectacular for of them winning uh, on the PGA Tour. It's been it's been such a memorable year for uh, for Team Canada overall. And it's been a memorable year as well. For Scotty Scheffler in uh, a lot of different uh, facets or reasons for that. Mm-hmm. So Scheffler, second week with a different putter. He's 38th in strokes game putting this past week. 38 out of 50 players. We should right, that's mark worth noting. that mm-hmm. down. It seemed like he had more control with the putter. And then he hit you know that 17th green, 71st hole. He three putts from 22 feet. Yes. So you wonder, does he go back to the blade for this week? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I thought overall he seemed to be putting better. Yeah. It it looked better. Mm -hmm. And as we were talking about earlier, his long birdie putt on 13 that he drained, it felt like he was going to run away with it. At one point he had a two shot lead and this is Scotty Scheffler. Like he's a closer. Um, Then he his chip on 15 comes up a bit short. He can't make birdie there. He doesn't birdie 16. And then he bogeys, 17, which maybe he was already out of it. You've got Hovland shooting a 61. So that's obviously mm-hmm. part of the picture. But he looked more confident with the putter. But also with like with Rory, I thought Rory missed a lot of opportunities. Yeah. You know, if he finds the cup a couple of those times, even the short one for Eagle I know. was shocking after just a laser of a four iron. Immaculate, the par five. It was an immaculate <laughs> shot. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, it's I, it's I don't know how to feel about... Scheffler's putting right now. I'm not all the way there that he's back and comfortable, but I think it's certainly moving in the right direction. And for a second straight year, he's going to enter the FedEx Cup final um, in first place. So he still maintained that, which is a big deal, I think, for him going into the Tour Championship. That's right. Okay, so the big question is, when we're back here next Monday morning, who is going to be holding the FedEx Cup in your mind? I think it's Scotty Scheffler. You think it's his time? I do. I mean, he was hitting elite approach shots as well, much like Victor Hovland. And I think if the putting moves in the same direction that it's going, he was also, I think he's maybe out for a little bit of revenge last year. He came up short to Rory McIlroy and now he has an opportunity to finish on top, but I expect Rory to be there. I don't know how to feel about Rom right now. He's a real wild card because his bread and butter off the tee was not good this past week. And he finished 37th at the St. Jude. It's like there's peaking at the right time. And then there's doing whatever it is Rom's doing. Um, in the second round, it was just his third career birdie-less round in a non-major, part of a 74. He did finish with his lowest round of the week with a 67. Yeah. So if you're going to 
draw positive. I mean, he's one of the best players on the planet, so I expect him to be in the mix. Mm -hmm. Um, But he certainly doesn't look like himself, and normally he would be my top guy that I would pick, and I I just can't do it this week. Yeah, okay, well, that's fair. Okay, so Scotty Scheffler, so we'll see where we are uh, Mm -hmm. next Monday. Murph, as always, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing your work for Golf Talk Canada Television this week. When we come back here on GTC, Michael Harrison going to join us here in studio to discuss the Tour Championship, the BMW Championship, from a betting perspective. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by TaylorMade, was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada here on TSN 1050. And you can also watch us on TSN 2 from now until noon. Adam Scully here in studio alongside, for the first time, Michael Harrison joining us here on GTC. Hound up. What's up? Thanks for having me. I don't, I'm, I'm so excited to be here. You this should be uh, yeah. an awesome uh, time talking about the Tour Championship yep. and the BMW and uh, perhaps a little bit of Ryder Cup talk as well. Oh, so, yeah. So I heard you talking, of course, with Kristen earlier yep. about who should be on, Justin Thomas or, or not. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a good, uh, good, good chat. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming here in the studio. You've uh, been on uh, three or four times now, I think, on radio. I've lost track because it's just been so much fun, obviously. So, so much fun and, and uh, making the picks. And, of course, I picked Victor Hovland to win the week before oh. the BMW Championship. So, uh, yeah, life of a golf better sometimes can be pretty frustrating. Now, I know heading into the final round of the BMW, Hovland was, what, around 14-1? to 1? Mm-hmm. And you, you had some thoughts, or, or you were high, you were keen on Hovland heading into the final round. What did you think about what you saw at the BMW Championship? Definitely, like certainly, it's certain. You know, in the final group there was Matt Fitzpatrick and Scotty Scheffler. But if anyone can go low, I figured it would be Hovland. Now, did I think he was going to shoot at sixty-one and go absolutely crazy in the back nine? Of course not. But uh, he's just a. I think he's a perfect player with his attitude. Yeah. To be playing from behind and you know four shots going to the back, going to the final round. Mm-hmm. It's the sort of the best mentality I find of players to do that, and absolutely amazing. But yeah, fourteen to one. I didn't love the odds uh-huh. going into that final round. I was hoping maybe 18 or something along those lines, but 14 to 1 was pretty much around what he was before the tournament, which, uh-huh. as we'll get talking about here at the Tour Championship, yes. a lot of times I often try to withhold from betting on a, on a lot of players before the event and wait till the final round or maybe the going into the third round. Mm-hmm. Because certainly this week, with the odds being with the starting strokes being, uh, you know, the players are all askew. Yeah. I honestly think there's not even. there's a, a few guys you can maybe bet on going into this tournament, but pretty much mm-hmm. I'm staying away from most players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get into the Tour Championship specifically from a betting angle in our, in our next segment because it's really one of the most fascinating tournaments to, to think of in terms of from a betting perspective. But, I mean, overall, for, for Victor Hovland, the first player in nine years to shoot a final round back nine of 28 or lower <laughs> and win on the PGA Tour, right. last being Kevin Streelman uh, in 2014. How do you think this bodes for him? you know, in the majors here going forward, but the Ryder Cup, too, in, what, five or six weeks? How do you think it votes, votes for him? Well, Hovland, of course, won the, what, the th- was, I think it was three times, yep. but they were sort of uh, the Mexico Open. Yeah. Some tournaments that here at World Challenge that wasn't an official, official. title. 
but still, uh, but it wasn't exactly big events. Like, but now he's got won the Memorial this year. Now the the BMW Championship. So it's pretty much the next step. Now is that majors, which mm-hmm. as you were saying earlier in the show, like he been really excellent at the majors this year, and it's just only. It's, it feels like it's only a matter of time before Victor Hovland wins a major. But you could have said that about Xander Shoffley. You could have said that about Ricky Fowler all those years. So mm-hmm. there's no guarantees in golf, unfortunately, as we know from players from yesteryear, yesteryear as well. Yep. But I would be absolutely stunned if Victor Hovland doesn't pick off a major sometime soon, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps even at Augusta in April. Absolutely. I can't wait for that. It's, it's too bad the next men's major is not till April. It's, it's such a long time long. to wait. It's just... It's teasing us a little bit. We have this FedEx Cup here, the Ryder Cup, and then we have to we have to sit and wait for what seven and a half months away from now is the Masters. It's wild. Way too long. It was actually amazing. A couple years ago, when Dustin Johnson won that Masters in November, yes, that was just the best. Yeah, it was like yes, we get a Masters, and then we get a Masters a few months later as well. So right, uh, it's not going to work. But I petition to have two Masters a year. How about that? Okay, okay. <laughs> First time in studio, we want Masters twice a year. I, I like this. I, I, I like this thought a lot. Okay, so obviously a big story. Uh, we'll get into the Tour Championship in a little bit, but we're looking back on last week. Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy both come up short. Their flat sticks were uh, a hot topic, to say the least. Scotty Scheffler, 38th in strokes gained putting out of a 50-player field. What do you? Th- how do you... Take what Scheffler did last week, where at times he seemed more confident with the putter, and then at times he looked that's that seventeenth hole where he three putts from twenty two feet. Yeah, I remember texting you that that because he, he at the time he was one shot back. Yeah, Robin was in the house uh, with that sixty one. I said, Scotty Scheffler now plus nine to one to win. Oh yeah, three, three footer for par. I'm, I'm thinking that's actually pretty good odds. Presumably he'll make that putt. Maybe he birdies eighteen, wins a playoff, he can win the tournament. And then he misses the three-footer right after. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, though, he was much better yes. with the putter this week. But I almost feel sometimes like he hasn't been great, clearly. Mm-hmm. He's such an amazing ball striker. He yes. has so many chances for birdies that you're not going to make every single one anyway. Mm-hmm. So some of those stats are a little bit sort of askew because it's he's having so many chances to make birdies. You're not going to make 12 birdies around every round. Exactly. So because he's hitting it so close, you expect more, obviously. You, know, you want to make those six, eight-footers for birdies. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely seemed until those last 15 through 17 there, or I guess 16 and 17. Right. He uh, looked a lot better on the greens. And I, and I was thinking from a betting perspective, mm-hmm. Scheffler's going to cost me again because I had uh, wagered on Victor Hovland yes. going to that final round. And Scheffler's done it so many times where it's like this apparent guy who can't make any putts always seems to make putts to win these tournaments. But, yeah, definitely didn't do it uh, on Sunday there. But, no. uh, you know, too good of a player. He's got he's. I think he's got to have a chance. He's going to win a tour championship at some point, certainly. Well, and for the second consecutive year, he is leading the staggered starting leaderboard as we head to the tour championship at Eastlake. And when we do get to Eastlake, there will be two Canadians there, Corey Connors and Nick Taylor. Uh, So only Connors made it last year. So we had two Canadians making it this year. Uh, We talked about this last year on the show, but just overall to have two Canadians making the tour championship, this is a great accomplishment, isn't it? And uh, obviously, Mackenzie Hughes just missed the BMW Championship yes. by one spot. It's it's so cool to see the depth of the players in the PGA mm-hmm. Tour for Canadians. Mm-hmm. And one who who didn't even win this year was Adam Hadwin. He of course lost the playoff at the Rocket Mortgage there to Ricky Fowler. But uh, it's just cool to see like five, six, seven deep. And you you would suspect there might be more on the way here to uh, you know to to win some titles. It's just it really is interesting and it's really fascinating to see. Quite a lot of Canadian talent, and like you said, they're winning this year. It's not just 
like for a long time, Corey Connors, he had the one win at the Valero Texas Open. He was, you know, a lot of times top ten at the Masters, mm-hmm. but he never really got through the got to the finish line very often. But he won this year as well. Yeah. And it's just good as cool to see these players actually uh, winning titles as well. It, it certainly is. We're in conversation here with Michael Harrison uh, on GTC, TSN 1050, TSN2. So we'll get to the Tour Championship on the other side. But the Ryder Cup, it's a huge story now because the top six are automatically now in for the U.S. of A. Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Patrick Cantlay, Brian Harmon, Max Homa, Xander Shoffley. At this time last year, if you would have thought... Or if I would have told you that Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon were automatic qualifiers for the U.S. Ryder Cup team, you would have looked at me like I had seven heads, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy, eh? Like, uh, you know, winning those majors, obviously, the, the huge career accomplish, accomplishments for them. But mm-hmm. certainly Brian Harmon, anyway, yeah, he'd only won the two titles before the Open Championship, right. but he was around for many years. It's not like he completely out of nowhere won the tournament. I know he was long uh, odds to win that event, and I wasn't expecting him to win an Open, certainly. But he's been around for quite a while. Wyndham Clark, this is finally the year he really took that next step, you know, winning uh, at Quail Hollow and obviously the U.S. Open. But, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Some of these names that you would have – there was no chance they would have made the team. And also even Lucas Glover, I know it wasn't a major this year, but he's won the major, the 09 U.S. Open there. Mm-hmm. But some of these names you definitely would never have expected, that's for sure. Yeah, and, you know, some of that might have to do with – the players who had been mainstays on that U.S. team going over to live, not getting as many opportunities. But at seventh right now in the U.S. Ryder Cup standings is, of course, Brooks Kepka, who won a major, second at a major championship. I want you to put on your U.S. Ryder Cup captaincy hat, courtesy of Zach Johnson. Are you picking Brooks Kepka? Absolutely not. Not? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. I just want to say it to get your uh, yeah. reaction. I, I, well, first of all, I love the fact that he didn't qualify automatically. I just love the fact that this is actually a, a topic of discussion. Yeah. Really, really you know, exciting to see like, what's, it, what's Zach Johnson going to do. He definitely should be picking Brooks Kepka. Although I will say, I still he, don't get me wrong, he still should absolutely be in the team. He hasn't had an amazing Ryder Cup record in his career. I think mm-hmm. maybe 6-5-1, somewhere mm-hmm. around that. So it's not like he's been unbelievable in the event. Having said that, as our good friend uh, Larry David there you go. might say, LD. <laughs> uh, definitely he should be on the team. Yeah, and uh, of course you mentioned Justin Thomas earlier as well. I've yeah, been saying the whole time he absolutely will, will be on the team. Uh, but there's one player that, from a bank perspective, has fairly short odds. Like probably is going to make the team, Cameron Young. Mm. And where, uh, where, where are you on Cameron Young? I'm out on Cameron. Young. Yeah, but I know he's, he's a great putter, and yes, he hasn't. I think maybe it's because my uh, betting brain has clouded my uh, just golf <laughs> fan brain because he has lost too many times. Where he's, he's come second in PGA Tour events. So it's you know it's kind of a thing where maybe I'm, I'm look, looking at him from that perspective. Yeah, clearly a very good player, but I don't know. I want Lucas Glover on this team, just like I think it was the last Ryder Cup. I wanted Kevin Na, just because they're fascinating players. Uh, the last one, of course, you didn't get picked in lieu of Scotty Scheffler, which oh time, right was a little bit of a surprise. But yeah. now you look at it, you're like, well, obviously Scotty Scheffler, Scheffler should have been picked. Right? Yeah, but uh, you know, Kepka on the team, JT on the team, Glover on the team, Cameron Young out. Cameron Young out. Okay, so when Bryson DeChambeau shot that 58 a couple of weeks ago on live, that set off a lot of alarm bells saying, oh, Bryson DeChambeau should be on the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Now, Bryson and Scotty Shuffler did partner together back at Whistling Straits and had success, but given this rise of Lucas Glover and given some of these other names we haven't even mentioned, you know, Colin Morikawa, Keegan Bradley's had success on European soil too. Mm -hmm. Is Bryson... Is he anywhere near a chance for you? 
I would love for Bryson to be on the, uh, the world of golf uh, the, is so much more interesting with Bryson DeChambeau yeah. being a factor, playing well and actually performing because he's one of the most fascinating players. Love him or hate him, I just love the fact that he brings something to the game. Like he's a very a fun personality, which you, know, you can't say that about some other players where they're very, they're quite frankly kind of boring. They don't yes, really, they don't really bring. They don't have that charisma, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to have Bryson DeChambeau on that team for that reason. Unfortunately, I think the politics of that and the fact that maybe he isn't completely loved by some of the other players uh, will probably take him off the squad. But, yeah, mm-hmm. he, did, he did shoot a 58 to win a live event. That's pretty amazing. I don't care where you're playing. What the, It was a par 70. It doesn't matter to me. That's, that's still remarkable. It totally is. And, you know, there's a site that came out and said it was the 328th best round ever. So you can look at it from that perspective. But 58 is still 58. And, and you know, Bryson didn't play his best at the 2018 Ryder Cup, where he did uh, partner with one Tiger Woods uh, a number of times. Not many Americans played well uh, for that Ryder Cup, but uh, Jordan Spieth was pretty good. Do you think Spieth's a lock on this team? I think Spieth has to be a lock, certainly. Yeah. And probably, uh, you know, with Justin Thomas, most likely. As right. Partners. Yeah, I, I'm so fascinated about that. And, you know, for the Europeans, when the U.S. absolutely wallpapered the Europeans two years ago, we thought this was going to be something... Uh, happening for quite some time. Uh, the Europeans still the underdog this year for the Ryder Cup. If you had to place a wager in the commercial break, are you betting on the favorite, the U.S., or are you going the dog? Or maybe are you going a tie? Yeah, a, a tie would be one of those matches. <laughs> like grinding. Come on! Somehow, somehow there'd be a tie. I can't imagine. Like It's been 30 years since 30 years won on European soil. That just blows my mind. I can't, yeah. can't get over that stat. That's ridiculous. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. They ha- again, they haven't lost uh, on home soil in, th- in soil in 30 years, and they're the underdog. Give me the underdog uh, yeah. you know, uh, on plus money for uh, Europe on that one for sure. Okay, well they are the underdog on FanDuel right now. And speaking of FanDuel, when we come back here on GTC, we're going to look ahead to the Tour Championship. Scotty Scheffler plus 135 betting favor right now. Is that worth it, or do you wait mid tournament? We'll discuss that and much more with Michael Harrison next, right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up Hour 1 here on GTC, Adam Scully alongside Michael Harrison here joining me in studio for the first time here on TSN 2 and TSN 1050. As we look ahead now, Michael, we have the Tour Championship, which the staggered start. This is a couple years now in for this staggered start where Scotty Scheffler will start with a two-shot lead over one Rory McIlroy. Not not from a betting perspective, just overall as a golfer and a golf fan, what are your thoughts on the staggered starting leaderboard? I don't love it, but I, I mean, I really don't know how they can really fix it. Yeah. But certainly, uh, you know, as it used to be, uh, you know, I think this is the fifth year now of yes. staggered scoring. Uh, used to be unbelievably confusing, and they, they would have... I think Steve Sands and the Golf Channel would have like the, the <laughs> list of like all the names on a board and trying to like these are all the permutations, good word, uh, of all the of all the different players going up and down. And it was like confi- all the points. No one, nobody had any clue or still has any clue to, uh, mm. to be quite frank about the different uh, you know the, the points and how that how it works. So to actually have scores going into a tournament 
and it's just like a regular tournament right from the start. There's no confusion there. I do love that. Mm-hmm. But it does feel bizarre because pretty much there's never been, I believe, any player who started at even par 10 strokes behind. None of them have even, ever finished even in the top five. Yeah. Which, again, of course, you could say, well, play better in the regular season, obviously. But in, in a way, the postseason is supposed to somewhat level the playing field and have a chance like a, as it would for any other sport. Right. So basically, you go into the even pars, the one-unders. Corey Connors, I believe, starts a two-under. Yep. Well, Nick Taylor's a one-under mm-hmm. for the Canadians. Unfortunately, they pretty much have no chance. So, uh, you know, I get it's way better than having Tiger Woods win the Tour Championship and then Justin Rose awkwardly, yeah, man, like, you, or the VJ Singh years ago yep. uh, won, what did he win, the last two, I think, playoff he, he, events? He won the first oh, two sorry. events of the FedEx Cup. Sorry. Yes, no, no, sorry, so he wrong. won, yeah, so VJ won the first two events of the FedEx Cup playoffs at the time, clinching the FedEx Cup, and no one knew it. Yeah. And then Camilo won the final two, yeah. and it meant nothing. Yeah, exactly. So it definitely is. They they've done a good job trying to figure this out, but it feels like there has to be a different, a better solution for this. But I don't know what it is. And even to yesterday and throughout the weekend, and even throughout the playoffs, really, the confusion of okay, if this guy birdies here, he moves inside the top thirty. But if someone else birdies, this he bumps him out. It's just a lot of moving parts, and you wish there was just a more simple way, perhaps. I, right, I really, yeah. I don't know what it would be though. Yeah, uh, that's definitely for way above our uh, pay grade. Yes, that stuff, uh, that stuff out. But yeah, yeah it's at least uh, I like the fact that uh, on the CBS scorecards, whenever a guy would make a birdie, you would mm-hmm. say, okay, yeah, now he's in thirty first spot or something. Yeah, or, then he makes a bogey, and now he's thirty seventh. Like, at least that was cool. Again, get ri- abolish all the FedEx Cup points numbers. Yes. I don't need to see the points. No one knows what these points mean. Exactly. Just give us. Uh, so was that was good for them just to have the actual number where they were. But it was weird, though, sometimes. They'd be like a, a, a par brought a guy from, like, 26 to, like, 31st or something like that. And, like, a, a bogey, I can't remember which player it was. A bogey brought a player from, like, 31st to 28th. And I was like, but they made a bogey. I don't understand. I it doesn't make any sense, right? But Bizarre. Uh, very, very bizarre, for sure. So, I guess the, the, the good thing, though, about the staggered start is that once we're into Friday afternoon for the second round, it's just one tournament. Mm-hmm. So right now on FanDuel, Scotty Scheffler, who begins with a two-shot lead, He's at plus 135, betting favorite. Rory McIlroy, plus 330. Victor Hovland, plus 550. John Rahm, plus 850. And then there's a big jump to Patrick Cantlay at plus 1,800. Then there's a bigger jump to Max Homa, Xander Shoffley, plus 3,500. And then Lucas Glover, Matt Fitzpatrick, a host of others at plus 5,500 or over. Is it worth betting John Rama plus 850 or even Rory a plus 330 or do you wait and see what happens at the start of round two certainly Rory McIlroy he's won three of these fast cups each time the, the two times sorry twice now he's of the three times he uh started the, f- the first time there wasn't the staggered score mm-hmm. but two mm-hmm. of the times he, he trailed I think it was by five and six shots I believe yes. it was so and it's even he's even closer this time so I would say Rory McIlroy he's done it three times he's been very 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 close uh, definitely have the big name. Him and Scheffler, give me uh, McElroy in that one. But, mm-hmm. yeah, plus 330 is certainly not not super digestible. Hopefully he makes a triple bogey in the first hole like <laughs> he did last year. And you're thinking, okay, now you, then you could jump in on him, you know. But, um, yeah, definitely McElroy. I think I still have to – I have to. this is a tournament I don't want to bet on very much, no. which is weird. You'd think the Tour Championship, you'd be wanting to bet uh, tons of players or something. But the fact that it's only 30 players, of course, as we, as we know, mm-hmm. and as I already had said – the evens and the one-unders, the two-unders, they virtually have no chance at all. It's pretty much only, like, maybe eight guys that can win. Yeah. Maybe. I, I might even be pushing it. So, uh, uh, 
if you want to make some money, I guess McElroy, but I certainly wouldn't love uh, those odds, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, if yeah, if you go down to Rom, I want to say him, just because he had such a, a torrid start to the first half of the year with the four victories, including the Masters. Now, he did finish second at the Open Championship, but he's the first two playoff events, not great. And so it's, what, what are the odds? Plus 850, it's, uh, I'm not so back. sure. So I'd actually rather just, this is what I would do. This is just, Tell us what you, you would do. This is what I'm doing, I should say. Okay. <laughs> uh, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. Uh, Cantlay won this a couple of years ago. He's a, a plus 1,800. Shoffley plus 3,500. Now, I'd rather bet Shoffley probably. There'll be uh, a lot on a lot of betting books. Mm-hmm. There will be um, uh, without the starting strokes. Yes. But just the lowest 72 hole total. Mm-hmm. And Shoffley just owns East Lake. He won there once and. I believe a couple of years ago he would have he was second without the starting strokes. Then would have then the next year he was first without the starting strokes. So uh, definitely if the, if there's a when that bet comes out, I'd hammer Shoffley to win that one mm-hmm. because he's just for some he just dominates his course. But yeah, he's uh, what is he four back or six? Sorry, six back to six or seven back. Yeah, start the the week. But plus plus thirty five hundred, I think, is pretty good odds there, given the fact that he can easily go out and shoot sixty two or something like that. Maybe the first round, all of a sudden he's right in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Pretty much refrain from betting uh, the first two rounds of this tournament because, yeah, plus 135 for Scheffler, uh, good luck on betting on that one. Like, that's just there's no value there at all. There's no value there at all. And for Xander Shoffley, yeah, you mentioned, yeah, he's at three under. Maybe even a guy like Ricky Fowler, three under. They're both high on birdie average uh, this season uh, on the PGA Tour. I love that Patrick Cantlay, too. Uh, six shots off the lead. Max Holm, another guy, too. Six shots off the lead. Uh, lots going on in the golf world right now, uh, Michael. So um, I thank you for making your way in studio this morning. It's been a blast, uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll do it again. Uh, we'll do it again very soon. Thanks for having me. And I quickly want to add that yeah, Scheffler is first in first round scoring average oh. this year. So even more, <laughs> even more of a reason to hold off on like betting anyone before he could easily shoot 63, and all of a sudden he's went ahead by a pile, and you have no chance of winning these other bets. So yeah, cautionary tale: hold off on betting. Uh, pretty like much that. going into the weekend. I like that. Okay, so uh, as he always does here on GTC, some uh, some betting advice: when to bet, when not to bet, when to assess the odds. Michael Harrison. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, It's been a blast, my friend. It's been a blast for sure. That wraps up Hour 1 here on GTC. To kick off Hour 2, Kevin Blue, Golf Canada Chief Sport Officer, going to join me on the line right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. 
Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Hour two, the back nine here on GTC. Adam Scully here in studio. Busy hour two. Mark Sacchino has landed in Toronto. He is going to join on the line in about half an hour. He was in Chicago for the BMW Championship. Jason Sobel also going to join in our next segment to look back at the BMW, the U.S. Ryder Cup team, and the Tour Championship next or this week, but uh, for a full preview of what's to come this week at the CPKC Women's Open at beautiful Shaughnessy out in BC. Now joining us, Golf Canada Chief Sport Officer Kevin Blue. Kevin, welcome back to GTC. Great to be back. How's it going? We're great, man. Uh, really appreciate uh, your time this morning. So the big tournament, just a couple days away. What's the excitement right now for the CPKC Women's Open? Uh, very high. Obviously, this is Canada's LPG Tour stop, and uh, uh, you know I think many people are probably familiar that last year the tournament was named by the LPG Tour as its Tournament of the Year. We have a robust field. Uh, the vast, vast majority of the top 100 players in the world, I think we're in the high 90s of the top 100 players in the world, be, will be here, and obviously everybody will be cheering for Brooke and the Canadians. And of course, this week's tournament is at Shaughnessy, which is one of the top courses in Canada. What's the overall anticipation to have this tournament at a course of this stature? Yeah, Adam, I I think that like a lot of people in Vancouver are obviously familiar with Marine Drive, the street that (laughs) sort of there's five golf courses. All of them are excellent that are right along the same road there. And Shaughnessy is, is one of them. Uh, you know, it's a, a superb venue that uh, has hosted, uh, in addition to uh, this, you know, in addition to on the women's side, it's hosted the men, men's RBC Canadian Open. And uh, I've been out there for a couple of days. It's going to be long and difficult. The wind has been up. It is firm here. Uh, the rough is, is, is relatively moderate. And obviously, these are some really great players. So we'll see some good scoring, but I think that uh, good shots will be rewarded, and that is a great characteristic of a great golf course. We're in conversation here with Golf Canada Chief Sport Officer Kevin Blue. Now, Kev, you mentioned Brooke Henderson a little earlier. Obviously, Brooks, Brooks Brigade is going to be a hot topic this week with fans and following her a lot of the week. How excited are you overall to see the kind of atmosphere that will follow Brooke throughout this week? I think it's it's every year, you know, it, you know, credit to obviously Brooke being an icon in in our country uh every year in, in this event, it seems that the atmosphere and buzz is uh is really robust. I think people uh in Canada have have rallied around this event and rallied around Brooke in a way that frankly has created an atmosphere for the CPKC Women's Open that is um, superior to the atmospheres and the and the you know the fan environment at almost every tournament on the LPGA tour, like the 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 quality of the atmosphere and the number of people and the the activity around the venue uh, feels like a major. We hear that from the players all the time, and in some cases, it's uh, you know maybe even exceeding a couple of the majors in terms of the the uh, the intensity and the and the fan atmosphere. And, and I think a lot of that is is obviously attributed to people really rooting rooting Brooke on and we expect a lot of that this week 
I was talking with the tournament director, Ryan Paul, on the show about a month ago or so, and he was talking about the build-out that was to come at Shaughnessy. So we're, we're at tournament week. Uh, you've seen some of these grandstands. What can we expect when you either show up at Shaughnessy walking as a fan or, or tune in on television? Yeah, it's a stadium-like environment on many holes. Yesterday we were uh, happy to have contested the national finals for our junior skills challenge, which is like, you know, a drive, chip and putt competition across Canada. And the the finalists, you know, these are kids, there's an eight and under age group and uh, it's it's all 14 and under kids. And they they were competing. uh, The chipping and the putting stations were on the actual 18th hole on the 18th green surrounded by, uh, you know, grandstands, hospitality structures in a stadium like environment, which, which will obviously be buzzing throughout the week and, and we'll, you know, crescendo on Sunday when a champion is crowned there. So it's a really, um, you know, you're talking about a high intensity sporting event and uh, uh, we expect this year's version will, will uh, live up to the reputation that this tournament has justifiably created for fan intensity on the women's tour. Oh, we're so excited uh, for uh, this week uh, overall. And, you know, it's not in ter- from a Canadian perspective, it's not just Brooke Henderson. There are so many other young Canadians coming up in the game, both on the men's and women's side of golf. Now, we are at an event with you at Golf Canada at Weston, where us, the media, were sort of put through the paces in terms of what a typical training day is like for these athletes coming up. Um, how high are the expectations here and the level of optimism for golf overall in Canada, both on the women's side this week, of course, and the men's side overall? Well, what I'll, what I'll say is that on the women's side, we're, we're um, increasingly optimistic about the pipeline that's coming behind uh, players like Brooke and Elena Sharp, who have, you know, carried the torch for quite some time now. We've This summer we had, um, you know, nine Canadians – make the match play at the U.S. Junior mm-hmm. of the 64. Like, obviously, the U.S. Junior, for, for most most people, may not be super familiar with it, but it's the most competitive junior golf tournament in the world. It's a worldwide field. And, um, you know, for there to be nine Canadians making that match play is is significant. It's by far the most we've ever had. And then later in the summer, we had six Canadian women make the match play at the U.S. Women's Amateur. Uh, a lot of those players are in the field this week. And, you know, our, our hopes and expectations for the young players who are competing uh, are to have a, a really great experience and, and gain an understanding of what the best in the world are like, right? This is a LPG tour event that literally has nearly every single one of the, the best players in the, of the top 100 in the world participating. So our young, our young players will up close get a get a view and understanding of what it takes and and um you know a few of them will play well and make the cut and hopefully maybe even get in contention as an amateur you never know but that's not the the primary goal is one of learning and and providing experience so that those players coming behind brooke and coming behind elena sharp and and maddie zarek are uh, are prepared to step onto the lpga tour when their time comes oh it's such an exciting time uh for sure now of course there's the cpkc women's open going on at Shaughnessy and I understand um, Stanley Park is also going to be in the works here some municipal golf what can you tell us about that no question you know as you know when we uh, Golf Canada's uh, obviously you know we're we're really interested in growing participation and excellence and accessibility uh, for all Canadians to participate in the sport and we are going to have a little uh, visit to 
Stanley Park Kitchen Putt uh, later on this week. Uh, some of the staff was out at the Musqueam Golf and Learning Center yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vancouver is a, a place that is uh, that you know we really admire some of the municipal and public and accessible public facilities that are in Vancouver, and uh, look forward to to you know to, to spending some time. Uh, out at those places saying thank you to those operators for, you know, making the sport as accessible and affordable as possible. We we actually run the first tee program at uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, Pitch and Putt and also at Fraser View uh, Municipal Course uh, in Vancouver as well. So big, uh, big fans of Vancouver public and municipal golf. And um, although the spotlight will be on Shaughnessy, uh, we feel great. Uh, about supporting the the broader golf community here in Vancouver this week. Yeah, I, I had a I had an option to play Stanley Park uh, once. I was I had to change a flight around. Unfortunately, I couldn't do it. But I I know it's on my list to get back there and, and get out to Stanley Park. I've I've only heard uh, great things. Now before we sign off here, uh, Kev, this has been a remarkable year for golf in. Canada, you know, on the professional tours, the four Canadians winning on the PGA Tour, Stephen Ames winning four times on PGA Tour champions, Brooke Henderson doing what she's done, Corn Ferry Tour, Epson Tour, etc. The list goes on and on and on. What's it like for you to look back and see all of the success Canada has had across the professional tours? Yeah, we're, you know, we're obviously happy about the players and their success. And, you know, the players are the ones hitting the shots and they deserve the players and their support, direct support teams obviously are to be celebrated for their accomplishments this year. I think one of the things, you know, I, I started this job a couple of years ago coming home from the U.S. And one of the things that occurred to me in thinking about this was, look, Canada is actually the third biggest golf country in the world on an absolute basis. We have the third most golf courses and third most golfers in the world. Uh, and, you know, we, we and everyone in golf um, should continue to be invested in making the path to the, the major tours, uh, you know, more accessible and, and, and for, for our Canadian players who aspire to be at that level. And, and we're, um, you know, we're happy to see this year uh, a very, very big step forward and, and you know we're we're hopeful to for, to see that continue, but it's it's one of those things like we're very modest in Canada. Sometimes we don't realize how significant the sport is in Canada. It's a major, major sport here, and when you compare us to most countries around the world, golf in Canada dwarfs what is happening in most countries around the world. And we see the the achievements of these special athletes starting to reflect that, which is fantastic. And we're, you know, we're aspiring for more of that in the future. Well, it's been a remarkable year for golf in Canada. And that continues this week at the CPKC Women's Open. Kev, enjoy the week. Have fun, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Excellent. Thank you. That is Golf Canada Chief Sport Officer Kevin Blue joining us again here on GTC. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention back to the BMW Championship and the Tour Championship. Jason Sobel from the Action Network as well, PGA Tour Sirius XM Radio, going to join me right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. 
This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio as we continue to look back at the BMW Championship and preview this week's Tour Championship. For much more on all things golf right now, joining us on the line from Action Network and Sirius XM PGA Tour, our good friend of the show, Jason Sobel. Jason, what's going on, man? Hey, Adam. What's happening? What's happening? Vic, well, what's happening in a big way, let me tell you that right now is Victor Hovland who really came not quite out of nowhere but he came out played in remarkable uh, second nine on Sunday a blistering 61 how impressed were you by Victor Hovland's performance at the BMW championship very very impressed I mean that was uh, look I I don't like to in the moment place these superlatives on everything I feel like we do in society where as soon as we see something we're like that was the greatest of all time let's let it kind of marinate for a little bit but I think I can safely say that was the best back nine that we've seen all year at a PGA Tour event. Victor Hovland shooting a 28, seven birdies on the back nine, coming from four shots down to win by two. That was really, really impressive stuff on a golf course that, uh, quite honestly, is not as easy as he made it look yesterday. And it was as if he was playing a video game, too. Sort of, the, He had the driver on a string, you know, 320 to 340, sort of every fairway, that tight little cut, too. He was a lot of fun to watch. And he's had success at majors, obviously still looking to break through. And he's going to be a big piece of that Ryder Cup team for the European side in about five weeks' time. How much do you think his performance at the BMW could propel him and help him here in the bigger events moving forward? Yeah, see, Adam, I've been talking about this for a few weeks and breaking down the American team and really and the Europeans as well. But mm-hmm. in the fact that uh, we always look for the quote-unquote hot hand going into the Ryder Cup, it's such a cyclical game that whoever was hot two weeks ago isn't hot right now. And, and those things change so quickly that I don't know that Victor Hovland is necessarily going to take any momentum from this. And in late September into October for the Ryder Cup, in Rome, uh, be the same uh, player and, and play the same way that he did this past weekend. That said, uh, look, it's not a bad thing. You know, Luke Donald wasn't watching uh, the European captain uh, yesterday saying, ah, this is too bad. Victor Alvin's using it all up right now, and he's, he's not going to have anything left. Uh, you know, it's certainly a good thing when your, your best players are playing well. Rory McIlroy is playing well for the European team also. And I, I think what the main takeaway that I have right now for the European side going into the Ryder Cup is that they, they're, they're a little top-heavy, and we understand that the U.S. team might be a little, um, a little more uh, steady, a little, a little more proficient top-to-bottom, 1 through 12, but it would not surprise me at all to see Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, Tyrrell Hatton, maybe Matt Fitzpatrick, and Tommy Fleetwood playing five matches at the Ryder Cup, which means that some of the players who are captain's picks and, and who get on the team next week maybe you're only playing one or two matches going into Sunday's singles, which uh, we've seen in the past, haven't seen it for a while, where, uh, no, where, where players don't play any of the uh, first four sessions in team events, team matches, and just go to Sunday singles. But it's certainly a possibility, at least for Europe. It certainly is, and I'm glad you brought that momentum topic up into the conversation because for a number of years, you know, I think back to 2016, Ryan Moore loses in a playoff at the tour championship, gets picked as a captain's 
uh, selection that night by Davis Love. The Ryder Cup starts five days later. You think back to 2018, Tiger Woods wins at Eastlake. The Ryder Cup starts the next week. This time around, we have the Tour Championship, and then we have about a month off. So uh, in terms of for Luke Donald and for Zach Johnson, you know, momentum isn't really going to be that big of a factor, you think, maybe for a guy like Lucas Glover, who's coming in so hot. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I've been saying the same thing. Look, I, I think Lucas Glover may have earned his way onto the team just based on what the U.S. team has done over the last handful of years, which is, hey, we're going to push back our selections until after the Tour Championship, and that's going to allow us to take the hot hand. You can't say we're going to have a format, we're going to have a system in place where we take the hot hand and then not take the hot hand. So I do think that helps Lucas Glover. I also think that if I'm Zach Johnson, I'm looking at things less in terms of who are the 12 best players. It's how are we going to win this thing? Mm -hmm. Who helps my team the most that we can go out there and win the Ryder Cup? I look at things like pairings, who matches up with whom. I look at history, who's played well in this event in the past. And I I, I try to uh, extrapolate those things into making my selections as opposed to just, well, I'll take the next six on the list because – they're six really good players. I, I think you have to look beyond that a little bit. Yeah, totally. And, you know, a hot topic, of course, will be both Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka, who obviously both were not automatic qualifiers. Kepka just short of qualifying automatically for the U.S. Ryder Cup side. Do you foresee both of those players playing for the U.S. in Rome? I, I do. I, I, I think it would be, boy, a, a real statement. I get it. Zach Johnson is a PGA Tour loyalist. He does not like live golf, and Brooks Kepka is playing on live. Brooks Kepka won the PGA of America's own major championship, and they, of course, run the Ryder Cup. I think it would, it would probably be a bad statement to, to say Brooks Kepka isn't one of the 12 players that can best help the U.S. team win in Rome this year. And so I, I've got to think that he would be on the team, certainly be on the team. He just missed qualifying. He, he was inside the number until this past week. He only played four events this year, and – four last year of the major championships to get qualification points. So, uh, and he almost did it. If he had played a PGA Tour schedule this year, he certainly would have been inside the top six easily. And so I think Kepka will be on that team. And I think Justin Thomas will be on that team as well. I know people are saying he doesn't have form right now. He hasn't played his best golf and all of that is true, but it's not like he's playing terrible golf. And when he hasn't played well, it's because of a big number, quite honestly. He's posted some triples, quadruple bogeys, over the last few months, and in match play, that just doesn't hurt you nearly as much as it does in a stroke play event. I think Justin Thomas is not only going to be on the team, I would be surprised if Justin Thomas isn't one of the best players in the U.S. when they get to Rome. Yeah, I've been on the exact same wavelength, too, you know, given, obviously, a success at past Ryder Cups, especially, too, on European soil, where he was one of the bright spots in France in 2018. So I, I can't wait for uh, for the Ryder Cup. Now, obviously, both JT and Kepka not playing in the Tour Championship this week. Uh, overall, from a betting perspective, how do you look at this tournament be- because of the staggered start? You know, right now uh, on our book, FanDuel, Scotty Scheffler is the favorite at plus 135 with a two-shot lead. But overall, how do you actually look at betting for this tournament? Yeah, it's difficult because, first of all, Scotty Scheffler will start at 10 under. He's got a two-stroke lead. He had the same thing last year, shot 65, 66, 66 the first three rounds, <laughs> shot 73 the last round, and lost to Rory McIlroy, who had started 
six shots back. But, uh, boy, Scotty's playing such good golf, nine top fives in his last 13 starts, that I think it's going to be really difficult to overtake him. Uh, Scotty Scheffler's my guy this week. I get if you don't want to bet him at plus 130, maybe wait a round or two mm-hmm. and pick him up live on, on Friday or Saturday if he's uh, fallen back to a share of the lead or just behind somebody else. But I really do think this is Scotty Scheffler's to lose this week. The good thing about this week is that most books should offer, if it's not there already, uh, scoring just for the 72 holes. And so you can pick a player who's a little bit further down the board. I like Xander Shoffley, who over the last four years, since they've changed the format of the Tour Championship to staggered scoring, he's finished second, first, third, and sixth in just 72-hole scoring. He's right around plus 1,400 this week. I think he makes for a really nice play, coming off an eighth-place finish, which was his best in three months. I think he's primed for a really good week this week. Yeah, we're on the same length with uh, Xander as well, too. I, I really like Xander heading into this week. The big question for Scotty, though, which putter is he going to use, do you think, this week, Chase? I'm not sure it even matters <laughs> at this point. I mean, uh, for Scotty, he just keeps hitting them close, and uh, you give yourself chances. I mean, it, at some point, some of these putts are going to go in. We've been saying that for months now. He hasn't won since that Players' Championship victory, but like I said, so many top fives. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not sure Scotty knows right now. I'm going to get out to East Lake tomorrow, and we'll figure out exactly what putter he decides to put in the bag. But at this point, it's like, well, find the one that can make a few five to ten footers because he's hitting it to that range. Even yesterday, with the uh, ball striking display that Victor Hovland put up, Scotty Scheffler was the best iron player on the golf course yesterday. Victor just made more putts than Scotty did. At some point, he's going to start rolling them in. This is a place where he's, like I said, played well in the past. He's posted some good scores. I just don't see two years in a row Scotty Scheffler starting with that two-stroke advantage and losing it uh, within four rounds. Well, it all gets underway uh, this Thursday, the Tour Championship. Of course, Scotty Scheffler going to be a huge part of the U.S. Ryder Cup team as well. Jason, I know you're a very busy man. Thanks for your time this morning, and enjoy the golf this week and the rest of the season. Absolutely. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. That is Jason Sobel from Action Network, host on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio as well. Good friend of the program here on Golf Talk Canada. When we come back here on GTC, the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Sacchino has landed. He is here in the T-Dot. He is going to join me on the line next. He was on location all four days of the BMW Championship in Chicago. We'll discuss Victor Hovland's performance. I definitely want to get Mark's take on both Scotty Scheffler, on Rory McIlroy, too, both had interesting weeks. I believe if Rory was a little higher in the strokes gain putting department, he was 22nd for the week. I think Rory McIlroy might have come away with this tournament, but an impressive week overall for Victor Hovland at the BMW Championship. Z-Man joining us on the other side right here on Golf Talk Camp. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio as we continue to look back at the BMW Championship and look ahead 
to this week's Tour Championship as well as the CPKC Women's Open. Brooke Henderson looking to get back in the winner's circle. But now joining us on the line, he's made it back to Toronto from Chicago. He was there for the BMW Championship. Mark Sacchino. Mark, what's up? How was the travel home? You know what's so smooth, Skull? Oh. I got to tell you, I, I flew Porter for the first time in oh forever in a day. Mm-hmm. And flight was on time, pull up to the gate, don't rot in the airport or in the airplane for 45 minutes waiting for a gate. Luggage is there within three minutes. I mean, very civilized, very civilized. So all good. And uh, But I'm glad to be home. That was a tough week. It was hot. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, there were thousands of people. Uh, I was dragging my butt around that golf course yesterday, but uh, but what a what a finish for Hovland! Pretty yeah. pretty impressive. Oh man, was it ever! And you know, to shoot twenty eight on the back nine, it was it, it was as if it was he was on cruise control, and it was just I want to put the ball here. Okay, doink! It was just automatic from your perspective. Just how incredible really was the performance by Hovland? Yeah, I mean, uh, crazy. Uh, you know, nine under par. Look, look at the other names that were contending. You know, Scheffler four under, Fitzpatrick four under, McElroy four under. Uh, I mean, yeah, Russell Henley went out. You know, three days earlier and shot seven under. But I mean, like that was. You know, he was so far ahead of them playing a different golf course and playing with house money. He wasn't trying to to win the championship. Uh, the players, you know, near and around Victor. We're five off the pace. His proximity numbers to the hole on the back nine were crazy. I mean, th- I mean, this guy is not, was not pouring in forty footers. He was just flagging it the entire back nine, just flag, flag, flag. Make a six footer, make an eight footer. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And you know what I was thinking to myself, Skulls? Mm. I, I, I want your opinion on this one because when I made a prediction uh, last November that the European team would beat the Americans at the, at the Ryder Cup, would upset Team USA in Rome. It felt like a big, bit of a stretch. Now, the last week or so, month or so, uh, Bob has suggested that he thinks the gap has closed. So, you know, he isn't, isn't as bold, I guess, as, as what I was, but he was feeling uh, certainly uh, a closing in the gap. But now I'll look at it this way. Hovland. He obviously on fire. Rory McIlroy has not, you know, gone away. It's just another ho hum top five. He had the win in Scotland. Rory playing very well. Fitzpatrick back playing well. Fleetwoods had a good year. Justin Rose has had a good year. Uh, Sepp Straka making it to the Tour Championship. Um, it feels to me like the European team. Is, is somehow kind of capturing some momentum. And I look at Team USA, you know, I guess the one outlier on the European team is John Rahm's lost in the wilderness mm-hmm. and, and really acting like uh, a bit of a spoiled jerk b- between the ropes. I mean, the F-bombs from John Rahm this week and the, and the broadcast people, I mean, the delay button, whoever was working the de- delay button for CBS and, and golf channel this week and PGA tour live, their thumb must be worn out uh, when it comes to John Rahm. But I mean, j- with the exception of John Rahm, I feel like the European team is moving in this collectively 
positive direction. And I feel like Team USA is kind of limping around a little. Do you feel what I'm feeling? Yeah, totally. In terms of top-heavy dominance, you mentioned Rory, you mentioned Hovland, you know, Tommy Fleetwood's had this great year. Tyrrell Hatton also makes it to the Tour Championship. But then, you know, on the U.S. side, obviously you have Scotty Scheffler. Brian Harmon had a good week. Wyndham Clark has been decent, I guess you could say, since winning uh, the U.S. Open. Xander Shoffley picked up a, a top 10 this past week. He's had a great history here. I'm expecting big things from him at Eastlake. And then it's sort of, what else do you have? And that sort of leads me into my next point and my question to you, where Brooks Kepka, not an automatic qualifier for this U.S. Cup team. Brooks Kepka won the PGA Championship, second at the Masters played in Ryder Cups before, but we know obviously that he's gone over to live. So, Mark, if you are Zach Johnson, what are you doing with Brooks Kepka? Well, you know, I texted you last night, yep. right? I said, Skulls, he's out. Let the drama begin because <laughs> here we go, right? Listen, if I'm the captain of the U.S. Ryder Cup team, I'm adding Brooks Kepka to this team. And I'm not a fan of live golf, as you know. Like, I don't find the product compelling. I don't um, enjoy the format, etc. I find it very difficult to figure out who's playing well and who is not playing well. Um, all that being said, Kepka in the big events where he had opportunities to play on a global stage this year, he performed and he won a major championship. Um, the reason he's not in the top six is he just doesn't play enough events that count towards points to this team because he plays over at Lyft. So I would, I would pick Kepka and have him on this team. Now, what do I think is going to happen? I don't think he makes the team. I don't know. It's going to be really curious to see what happens here. I, I think Zach Johnson has a lot of friends out there on the PGA Tour. Mm -hmm. I think he's a company man, as they say. Uh, this is PGA of America, so it's a little different. I don't think he picks him. I think he is no longer on this team. Now, uh, wow. now again, I now if it's me, I put him on the team, but I don't think it's happening. Where are you on this? I'm assuming skulls you would pick him that you would be like me and you would add him to this team based on you know what we've discussed mm -hmm. uh, but what do you think is going to happen okay so i'll, I'll make a couple points here so i i'm gonna li live aside so i'm going to compare this so brooks kepka in 2023 for the u.s Ryder cup team i'm going to compare this to 2019 when tiger woods was the captain of the U.S. President's Cup team. He wins the Masters, obviously, in April. And then for the rest of the season, he either didn't play golf or couldn't play golf because he was injured. And when you, Bob, and I, we were all on the show here debating, talking about what was going to happen with Tiger Woods, we thought, is he really going to be on this team? The guy won a major championship, but it was MIA the rest of the season. Of course, Tiger picked himself. He was the best player in Australia by a country mile in that 2019 President's Cup. I think if you leave a major championship winner off your team, you're making a huge 
Huge mistake if you're Zach Johnson, especially the American side who haven't won on European soil in 30 years. It's been since 1993. So in my perspective, I think Brooks Kepka is a shoo-in. However, I will say, Mark, that if it was another player who maybe isn't as respected or liked from his peers, a la Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed, Taylor Gooch, Bryson DeChambeau, then it'd be more of a discussion. But Mark, in my perspective, I think Brooks Kepka will be in Rome come late September. So you think Zach does what we all would agree would be best for the team yes. and keeps politics out of it. Yes. Well, we're going to find out pretty soon. Right? We got a week to go. Uh, we have a week to go, and, 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 and it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I really don't know. I'm leaning that he doesn't pick him. I just think politics take, you know, comes in here. Now, that being said, politically speaking now, you know, we're supposed to be all getting along and whatnot. Here's the problem with the we're all supposed to be getting along narrative is that you still got idiots like Phil Mickelson <laughs> Uh, who don't seem to understand that, right? And and he's still like throwing shots across the uh, the bow, so to speak. And, and and you know, whereas did you hear Bryson's comments this mm-hmm. week? Mm-hmm. You know, Bryson De, Bryson DeChambeau taking the cup half full and taking the and taking the um, the high road this week, saying love to be part of the Ryder Cup team. Uh, you know, w- would love to represent my country in Rome. However, I understand that there is a certain criteria on not only how you qualify for the team, but also the process and how Zach Johnson's got to select this team. And if Zach Johnson doesn't feel that I have given him basically enough, you know, sample size to critique what I've done, and I guess he's leaning a lot on his 58 and his win on live uh, to make this team, then I, then I understand that. And, and that's the criteria. And I'll be watching the Ryder Cup and cheering for Team USA regardless. So DeChambeau taking the high road, Scully. Yeah. Uh, and Mickelson, every time he opens his mouth, chooses the low road. It's fascinating for sure. But one thing I, I do know is with the picks being made next Monday, I believe they'll be made while we're live on the air. I hope they are anyway, for our sake, because we'll <laughs> have be live fun. reaction. We, we won't have time to think about these, uh, what we hear. Maybe we'll see an absolute curveball of some sort uh, from Zach Johnson. Uh, uh, and one of those, maybe just maybe could be Justin Thomas. Now, when we've been on this show talking uh, both on and off the air, uh, you've been uh, not on the Justin Thomas train in terms of selecting him has your opinion changed at all well i mean if i'll tell you one thing if kepka's on this team i don't know how you get kepka and justin thomas on this team that that's going to be tough i mean if you're gonna if you're going to select kepka now we're down to five okay so if we're down to five um, I've got to assume that, that Jordan Spieth's on this team, although he is limping in, in, into this playoff, right? Um, I just, I mean, you got to bypass a lot of guys. But then there's the other side of this coin, Adam, and it's, I know, you know, you've talked a little bit, obviously, about the experience, the heart that JT brings to the table. He's kind of been a bit of the heart and soul, et cetera. But, I mean, this is a team competition, right? So is Zach Johnson picking the the best player. You know what it reminds me of? Let me backtrack a second here. You know what it reminds me of? NFL draft, right? Yeah. 
So you get to the table at the NFL draft, you're picking first, second, third, whatever. Are you picking the next best player in the draft or are you picking the player to fill the gap in your needs? In other words, we're soft. We got no linebackers. We need a presence at linebacker. We need a guy who can run, run the defense, be a general back there. So we're drafting a linebacker and we're going to not necessarily the best player we're drafting to position. And I, I'm and as captain Zach Johnson looks at this, are you selecting the best player or are you drafting to position? In other words, Spee's going to be a part of this team. So I want Justin Thomas because that's my pair, etc. See, I wish I could get inside that room, inside his head and figure out the process a little bit better because if we're just talking about who's the best player, well, here we go. So Kepka's seventh, Speed is eighth. Let's go with the Adam Scully. There's no politics here, and we're just putting the best players on this team. Then seven and eight, they go. They make the team. They go to the side. We're down to four spots. Cam Young, huge question mark. Maybe an opening there. Colin Morikawa in tenth. I think Morikawa is a part of this team. Yep. Okay, now we're down to three spots. Okay, Keegan Bradley. The guy's won twice this year. Uh-huh. I mean, I got to think he's on that team. So Keegan Bradley's on that team. I got to believe Ricky Fowler's on this team. So now we are down to Sam Burns, Denny McCarthy, Justin Thomas, and Lucas Glover. (laughs) So who is your final pick? I think your final pick has to be Glover or Thomas. And I think it goes Glover. And I think because of what Lucas Glover has done in the playoffs, Justin Thomas doesn't make this team. Now I'll go back to what I said originally off the top of this question, Scully. Mm -hmm. If Kepka does not make this team, now JT all of a sudden, I think, I don't think you can pick Kepka and Thomas Mm. and have them both on this squad. Yeah. It's, it's going to be so fascinating. And you mentioned the next man up or best player available. Same thing happened back in 2016 when Davis love the third held off and did not pick Bubba Watson, who was seventh on both the U.S. Ryder Cup team standings, and he was seventh in the official World Golf ranking. He didn't pick him. So obviously Bubba is Bubba, and Davis Love III elected to hold him off. So anyway, this will be a discussion that will continue Tuesday night television, Wednesday night or Wednesday after Wednesday morning, I should say radio. And then of course, next Monday radio to TV. But Mark, before we let you go next Monday, when we're here doing radio to TV, who is going to be holding the FedEx cup? Rory McIlroy. Okay. Yep. It's going to be Rory. We're going to do our picks this week on TV. Uh, you and I both like Xander Shoffley as yeah. well. Uh, close, close very strong. Um, I feel confident that Rory's going to probably win another FedEx Cup. I really do. It, it is unbelievable. I, I mean, we'll get into Scotty Scheffler's putting again. <laughs> Can you win a FedEx Cup not being able to make a six, seven footer? And I've noticed something this week in oh. person for the first time that I that I hadn't picked up on before Ooh. with Scotty Scheffler in the putting. Really, inside ten feet. The closer we get to that five, six, seven foot mark, Scotty Scheffler does not hit his putts with enough speed. Hmm. He is taking the high drip line 
regardless if he's above the hole or below the hole, he has taken the high drip line on any pot he has of, of any consequence in five, six, seven feet. And he missed them all bloody week. He had one decent day of putting. And the best putters in the world from that range take some break out of the putt. They, they are not scared of the four-footer coming back. Look at Figala. I mean, if you watch the Gala putt, Figala is basically denting the back of the cup. <laughs> it is ridiculous. And I'm watching Scotty Scheffler, and, I mean, he's on, on a six-foot putt. He's trying to, you know, that moves from left to right. He's trying to pour it in at, at, at uh, 9 p.m. Yeah, and I'm like, no, the best players in the world on a on a six foot putt, the best putters in the world, not players, excuse me, the best putters in the world on a six foot putt from left to right, the ball's going in the in the door at at seven and eight, it ain't going in at nine with a last little rotation of speed, you know what I mean? Of course, there's exceptions to the rule above the hole at Augusta, etc. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, I saw it with my own eyes for four days, Adam. And he's got to start being more confident with short putts. And he's going to have to start taking some break. He's got to putt it to make it and take some break out of these putts. We can get into it on Wednesday, buddy. Oh, we will. Oh, we're going to get deep into it because I saw something, too, from Scheffler inside five feet that actually terrified me watching it. But we'll get into that and much more. That's all coming up Wednesday on GTC. Mark, glad you made it home safely. We'll see you tomorrow night for Golf Talk Canada Television. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Golf. Okay, when we come back here on GTC, we'll wrap up the show with some leaderboard updates from around the world of golf. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of LightStrike and LightStrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up this morning's edition of Golf Talk Canada, Adam Scully here in studio. It's been fun to be back radio on TV. We'll be back again next Monday, radio on TV, for a full recap of the Tour Championship and to the CPKC Women's Open. Wanted to give a shout-out to Luke and Braden from Bigwin Island Golf Club. I had a chance to play there last week and boy oh boy one of the greatest golf experiences i've ever had in canada period mesmerizing views great condition wide variety of holes bigwin island golf club and experience i will never forget if you're in the muskoka area go try check it out it's an experience you will never ever forget thanks again to luke and Braden for their help coordinating that round of golf Well, it's been a busy one for us today. Thanks to Kristen Murphy for joining the show. Thanks to Michael Harrison for joining the show. Thanks to Golf Canada Chief Sport Officer Kevin Blue for joining me. Jason Sobel as well. And, of course, the Z-Man, Mark Sacchino. Thanks to everyone for joining today on GTC. Our show is back. TSN TV, Tuesday night in primetime. 
full preview of the Tour Championship, full preview of the CPKC Women's Open, and 20 weeks of TaylorMade. You won't want to miss our grand prize. Thanks so much for joining us today. And remember, the first good decision for the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.